What's up, guys? Welcome to an all-new episode of Convos on the Pedicab. I am here with John Bown, an independent contractor for InfoWars. That's right, guys. Episode 12, and I've already made it big. Um, anyway, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about the presidential election. We're going to talk about our city council races. We're going to talk about a lot of the civil unrest that we're facing. We're going to talk about COVID. We're going to talk about um, what the future holds for America, what the future holds for Austin, how we can get involved to um, change the trajectory in which we're headed and create a future for ourselves that benefits um, all of Austin. But anyway, John, I'm so glad that you um, spent made the time to come out here. And uh, just tell us a little bit more about yourself before we get started. Well, I've been in Austin for about 25 years, the longest I've lived anywhere in the United States. I've lived all over the East Coast mainly and spent a lot of time out in the West Coast. So I, I know America, but uh, I've kind of stayed clear of downtown Austin for years. Um, when I first got here, I was a musician with my brothers in a band called Brother, and Austin was Austin, Texas. You went up and down 6th Street, you made 10 friends before you went home, and and you know you could play in a different club, and then you play in one club, you get done with your gig, and you go next door, and there'd be a legend in the club next to you playing. You know, I could go to Antone's and Roadie for Buddy Guy on a night off. You know, it truly was a live music capital. I don't know about, and a lot of people are going to be angry about me saying this. I believe New Orleans, New Orleans, even though I've never been there, has to be the live music capital of the world because there's live music going on up and down the streets right now. So, and the reason I say that about the live music capital of the world is because Austin, Texas, either be the live music, try to be the live music capital of the world, or just stop saying you are because you're not. It's over. And this current mayor has ruined it, this real estate mogul who, uh, when he speaks, puts everyone to sleep. And that's what they like to do. The liberals like to put you slowly to sleep. Everything's fine. No, everything's not fine. Everything is not fine. And that's why people like me are here, because I need to wake you the hell up, because it's actually, it's not a minute to midnight. It's not 30 seconds. It's not 10 seconds. We're about five minutes after midnight right now, people. And so my background, uh, I, I was involved with film. I was a, a radio DJ in uh, Kentucky for about four or five years. I've been a musician. I uh, learned how to edit uh, about 15 years ago. And uh, so I contract out as an editor. Um, and that's, you know, I still try to make music uh, when I have time. Um, but that's, that's basically who I am. So, so, John, what made you want to get involved in politics? When did you start realizing that something was wrong? Wow. Well, all right. So I was at KXAN. I had a job at KXAN. I when? That was, was uh, 2000 till about 2009. Yeah, about, to, about 2009. So it would have been like uh, 2005 to 2009. I became the lead editor 
I went in there. I barely knew what I was doing. By the time I left, I, I mean, editing for a news station, when you've got to get the news out at 6 o'clock, 5.35, whatever, uh, people have no idea the stress level. It's up there with uh, air traffic controller. Um, and, and the But the pay for an air traffic controller is really good. It pay for an editor at a news station is horrible. While the uh, anchors and the weathermen all get, you know, the weatherman's making uh, half a million dollars a year. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having to work a second job just to make him look good. So I, I knew something was wrong with that. Uh, but at the time, it was Obama time. And I actually voted for Obama. I did too. Yeah. No, he was my second vote. The first one I did was uh, I actually voted for John Kerry. Don't hate me, but I just hated President Bush. So, you know. No, I, it's a, I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all theater anyway. But um, I, so, like I said, I'd come here in 92, and there was this, there was this guy on public access. And we had this thing with public access here in Austin. Um, there are some very strange characters on our public access, and it was very entertaining. You know, you would come back from a night on 6th Street, drink some beers, and fall asleep watching uh, Old Biddy or whatever. And one of those people was Alex. And Alex was saying things that it seemed like he was a carnival barker. It seemed like he was just making things up just to create this kind of persona about himself. And now we know he wasn't, he, not at all. In fact, he predicts 9-11, right? He predicted 9-11 four months prior to 9-11. There's still a video of that. Circulating. Yeah, I, I have it, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and even having been with InfoWars for 10 years, Alex has said things that um, didn't seem like they were possible. And now pretty much... 100% everything he said has come to fruition and Alex has spent think about being that knowledgeable of the truth and sticking your neck out like that and having people laugh at you insult you for right. for years so, so John here's my million dollar question that yeah. I and everybody else who's listened to Alex Jones wants to know how has he not gotten assassinated yet <laughs> well I, I wouldn't try it I wouldn't try it that's uh, that's one thing. Alex is not Ronald Reagan. Uh, he's not um, he's not John Lennon. Uh, you sneak up on Alex, uh, you may not sneak up on anybody ever again. Um, that's the that's the main thing. Um, and I think I think people realize that. I think people are aware of that. Uh, no, you know, but I, but I'm saying though, if if the deep state were to want to come after go after somebody, sure. they will. They'll find a way to, to He's do it. Too, you know, like. Well, he, he, he would tell you uh, that if, if you do have information about the deep state, you can't just uh, keep it to yourself. If you do have something, you have to put it out there. That's the only thing that's going to protect you. Alex has been putting it out there for you know decades. So it, he's protected. If they take him down, it, everybody knows we're that gonna, like, something we're, is... They're going to get hunted down. We'll find them. You know, it, it will cause such a rift. So it's better that he's there and they just try to diminish and his character. And they just make fun of him and demean him. Right, right. Right. Um, but you don't think that he's just put there to make um, yeah. to make people who question, like, the narrative look bad? No. Because I've always had that, like, concern. Because I love the guy. And, and I got, like, inspired uh, I to, like, want to be active and want to, like... Um, 
you know, address what's wrong. And he's one of the people that got me to see what was wrong. Like, um, one of the first movies that woke me, the first two movies that woke me up, the first three were um, the Zeitgeist film, mm-hmm. America from Freedom to Fascism, mm-hmm. and the Obama Deception were the three movies that yeah. started waking me up and made me um, see things a lot more clearly well, that, than that, they are. But going back you know, to that, that what being, you that asked me, said, where, it's like where I came from. And going back to the KXAN thing, yeah. Sorry to to bring us back. No, no, you're good. Yeah, I want to hear. But so I'm I was sitting there editing these Obama clips for the news for local news, and I realized that everything that I was reading from and putting B-roll to, some guy in Phoenix was doing the same thing. Some guy in LA was doing the same thing. Some guy in New York was doing the same thing. I so I wondered. Am I, is this propaganda? Am, am I actually a part of some kind of propaganda movement? And so that, that's when I really went back to listening to Alex. Because Alex, you know, I'd watched him on TV for years. His father was my dentist. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, so, I would go to my dentist, and Alex's paintings were on the wall in there. And I actually knew Alex's dad long before I knew Alex. Wait. So I, I, I saw Alex and um, Eddie Bravo and Jerry, mm-hmm. and I remember he said that like his dad was like a dentist for like with top government officials and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so like, do you hear any stories from his dad about all that stuff? Because that's where Alex said he started to figure out a lot of things that were a little off. No, I mean, he, he, uh, Alex's dad is very is a very intelligent human being. Um, he's very reserved. He's experienced a lot of things. Alex's family has experienced a lot of things. Um, my family's experienced a lot of things. Um, but, uh, it's not something that it, it's, you know, the, the, cons- the conspiracies about Alex and his family and so on, it, they're easy to expound on, but it's just, it's kind of like campfire ghost stories, man. These people are just patriots. That's what they are. And, uh, that's a rare breed, but let me, um, just finish the story about KXAN. So, um, I'm doing this Obama stuff, and I started listening to Alex on his radio show. And then I found myself listening to Alex at work while I was working. And then I realized simultaneously that I was doing the bidding of of the New World Order. And the more that I delved into, because it wasn't like I just accepted that. I'm not just going to accept okay, the New World Order, there's this boogeyman under your bed. No, I went and, and read about it and read about it and read about it. And the, and the deeper you go into that rabbit hole and then you emerge and you've got all of this knowledge and you, you've taken the blinders off and you can see, we've got one that can see, you know. And I just went over to InfoWars. I heard Alex one day say he needed people. I just went over there. And so... He hired myself, uh, Darren McBreen, and Marcos Morales uh, 10 years ago. And we were like the first. It was Rob Dew, Alex, um, Aaron, um, Rob Jacobson. It was just a few people that were there. And he hired us three, and we're still there, all three of us, me, Darren, and Marcos. We're That's all pretty still, cool. Hey, um, yeah. not to interrupt you, yeah. but um, is my mic working, Charlie? Okay, cool. Um, not to interrupt you, no, please, um, please. but how has the pay been um, for InfoWars in comparison to working at KXAN? And how have you been treated at InfoWars in comparison to KXAN? And I want to know what the two sides of the equation are. Well, uh, 
you, you would make more money. You can't, you can't have a family. Uh, you can't, you know, and I'd, I'd just begun a family. Uh, and fortunately, KXAN paid for the birth of my child, but uh, the amount of money, I'd make more money as an editor. Uh, I'd make more money delivering pizzas than, I, than you can as an editor uh, for KXAN or any local news station. The, uh, and and the, the hypocrisy of it all is that um, there are so few people that are actually in the newsroom that there's no reason that you can't pay somebody in that newsroom a living wage when the anchors who are reading what the producer wrote, who's making maybe $20,000 more than I was, writing everything all they're doing is sitting there and looking nice in their suits yeah, and, and then and reading off the teleprompter and, and, and then and then these same corporate news media outlets um say all these progressive platitudes about the need to pay people a living wage and they can't even do that to their own editors well and i saw recently here on KVU they were talking about they had a big thing they had a big thing about uh how uh austin needs to realize our own uh you know, racist past and all this stuff. And I'll tell you what, people, I grew up in Eastern Kentucky and I've seen racism. I've been around it and it does not exist in Austin, Texas. It just doesn't. And if it, and if you're a racist in Austin, Texas, you're not going to like it here. And so for KVU to put out this propaganda for us to all feel guilty about uh, our, our skin tone, well, yeah, uh, that's, it's, that's, uh, it's just it's that's a, that's sickening. A little, that's a little silly. And then these um, same neoliberal politicians that they um, pander to and you know do propaganda for, and who are the, they are the mouth, mouthpieces for, are literally enacting um, these developer-friendly policies that are pushing black people out of Austin anyway. So it, it's very hypocritical. Well, it's not an organic movement either. It's uh, it's all funded. Well, well, I wasn't talking about the BLM stuff. Yeah. Um, but just just in general. Well, like I that, mean, the, I'm sorry, in, in cahoots with the media and the local government and, you know, and, and the uh, Democratic talking points, it's all funded from a larger fund. You know, that the thing is, is that it used to be a local election used to be the local people local. And, our, and our taxes yes. put into it. That's not how it is anymore. Your money doesn't even matter anymore. If they if they've got their eye on Austin, Texas to turn us into a U.N. city. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're already doing it. They've I, already done it. Yeah, and I've heard some stories about the, the – I haven't um, looked too much into the new DA, that DA that they're trying to get in, this Jose Garza. But mm -hmm. I have seen some things about how he's gotten a bunch of money from, like, the Open Society Foundation. And, look, it is what it is, but why are you giving money to a guy in Austin? Like, you, none of the people who work at that foundation, I doubt they even live here. So what, why are you influencing an election in an area that you don't live in? It does, that, that's what's, well, they, what's they uncomfortable. Well, they want to turn Texas blue. And, right. And, you know, no, gotta, I, I get yeah. it. But the, the whole the whole the reason the real reason why people should be upset about this stuff. Right. And this would be the same. Like if you're getting money from the Koch brothers, it's the same exact. Sure. thing. It's the same exact thing. It's not yeah. just because like George Soros, who's very liberal, is giving a, a candidate money. If the Koch brothers, if the Koch brothers, if Halliburton was giving a like um, a city council candidate money or like the other D.A. money, you should be just as outraged because the people that should be giving money to candidates who are running in local offices should be living in the area because how else are you going to um, know about what's happening locally? Well, it's... Does that make sense, John? Yeah, and like I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, we're five minutes after midnight, and the reason I say that is because that local localized money you're talking about, it's, it's meaningless now. They've pulled all the regulations off of campaign contributions. 
you know, and that's actually a Democratic talking point. But if you look at the larger picture and you see that the Republicans in power and the Democrats in power, and, you know, one of the first videos I ever did uh, for InfoWars, I think it was the very first, was about the Hegelian dialectic. I don't even know what that is. You want to explain them? Like sure, sure, sure. The Hegelian, uh, Hegel was a philosopher, German philosopher, and uh, he he's part of this movement that kind of processes through him. But it uh, you have two sides. You have the side that's for and you have the side that's against. And then you've got the populace. You've got the people you're trying to convince. So you put on a show. You you have people that are for and people that are against, but the whole time the for and against are they're all working yeah, together. It's, like it's pro wrestling. They all get beers afterwards. Exactly. You know? And so they synthesize their result. Like right now with what Nancy Pelosi's doing and the Republicans it started at a trillion today for the stimulus. That money should be out there already. There are people there are a million people in New York City that are starving right now. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you know that, like, I, I think that they're going to come to a deal before Election Day. Um, and I also think that the Republicans, are they're, they're talking a bunch of shit about it, right? But they're signing that. A bunch of them are up for re-election. You know how bad that would look if you're a Republican senator and you refuse to sign off on a deal to give people in your state money? Yeah. Like, well, they're definitely, like, if you, th- if you don't think 13 Republicans are going to sign off on that stimulus, you are on drugs, John Baum. Am I? You, you don't Did think you- they're going to sign Oh, I thought you gave no, me drugs. No, if you if you don't, if you don't think like if you don't think that those um, something in my water. Oh shit! Hey, who knows, right? Anyway, it's the atrazine. <laughs> <laughs> turn in the frog. Turn in the frogs, gay. Look it up, dude. But that's another thing too with Trump, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's look, my my take on Trump is this, right? I think that there's some good things he's doing and there's some bad things he's doing, but um, one he's of the one of the things being. he's a human being. But one, yeah. one of the things that I don't like about Trump is the invi- one of the things that I don't like about Trump and I think Biden might actually be better at and this is the one, the only thing okay mm-hmm. is the environment um, and when you look at the people he's put in like the secretary of energy and like the the EPA and all that stuff like he put like Rick Perry in charge of the EPA like Rick Perry is one of the people that Alex Jones was railing against in Endgame the end of that movie was Alex Jones screaming into a megaphone at Rick Perry mm-hmm. right in front of the governor you remember that right yeah, yeah yeah and then like that guy's the head of the EPA and, and nobody's saying anything anymore and I'm mm-hmm. like the everyone in like his environmental protection agency everybody who's like in charge of environmental regulations they're like the heads of oil companies and cal- chemical companies these are literally the people that are actually turning the frogs gay john right and they're in charge of the environment under trump's administration so what's what's the deal with that well and the thing is is uh when trump got in and it's still a miracle that he got in so there have been many issues that i have spoken out against that alex has spoken out against that infowars has spoken out against with trump it's not we're not uh, uh in a cult here but if trump wasn't there you know, and, and the thing is, he has no experience with running an administration. He pulls in Rick Perry, and he's pulled in, I mean, half the people that he's got in there now, he should fire. He you was going to make RFK Jr. the chair of vaccine safety. That he never happened. Fire Bar, uh, he should fire uh, Pompeo. He, sh- he should be firing everybody. Um, I, the thing is, is, I think that, you know, I don't know, but, you know, Trump, is such an independent person is probably just thinking he'll he'll get it all done himself and he's surrounded himself with these people but the thing with biden in the environment and trump in the environment is you've got you don't have a you don't have a teddy roosevelt down the middle you know teddy roosevelt would say okay yeah you know 
the Obama administration allowed all that pollution to go into the Animas River in Colorado. And, uh, you know, we can never let something like that happen again. And then there are environmental concerns with fracking. Like, uh, you know, I, yeah. was, I was in, I was in the, I, I'm from, you know, my family had a place in the Finger Lakes and, uh, and they were going to frack uh, around our lake, which would have completely destroyed our lake. Dude, I saw Gasland. That shit is gross. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> so, I mean, th- there's got there's to be common sense. You can't just say, okay, well, yeah, fracking is good. So w- it's good in certain areas, but it's, it's not good everywhere. You know, and that's and that we just need some common sense. Whereas Biden, as far as the environment's concerned, that might he might at first appear, but we're talking about a guy that's going to uh, get us back into the Paris Climate Accord and the TPP, which will completely sign us over. We will no longer even be the United States. I mean, we're barely there now, but that that'll be the death knell. Uh, the TPP will put us. Uh, we will be completely controlled by foreign corporations which we pretty much are anyway our government is uh they're all funded by them and the paris climate accord it doesn't make it that's a u.n creation yeah and it also favors china like they've they've even been articles like from non-biased news sources that have dealt delved into pros and cons of the paris climate accord and it costs a lot of money for the united states to do and very little money and it gives very little regulations to countries like india and china when it comes to air quality and pollution and that doesn't seem like it's going to really do very much for climate change but you know speaking of climate change john what's your take on the whole permian highway pipeline uh you know, I like I said, I'm from upstate New York, partially, and I, I have I go back with uh, the Iroquois Nation kids up there and stuff. So I have a, I do have respect for Native Americans. Um, I always have. Well, the Permian pipeline has nothing to do with Native Americans. Well, it, but it it goes over their land. Does it? I thought it just yeah. goes through this. I'm pissed about. I'm just pissed because it goes through the San Marcos River and the Blanco River and like the Hill Country. Okay, well, that was the Dakota pipeline that was going. That was the Dakota pipeline. Yeah, the Permian pipeline goes through Central Texas. It goes right through our backyard, dude. Like that's that's the issue that everyone should have been super up in arms about if you're on the left at all. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's 105 degrees in here. It happens. Yeah, I I got you, buddy. Uh, But yeah, okay. So, um, I the problem is is that there's a lot of corporate interests. That's that's where my mind goes first. Because there isn't going to be any common sense. Of course, it makes sense not to ruin, you know, our, our waterways here in Texas. And, you know, rivers that will run millions of years after we're here destroying them. Um, but what I always look at immediately is, well, where what's the interest in this? And usually, you know, with a salamander here in Austin, there's a there's a United Nations interest and a global interest uh in in controlling our land and controlling you know the environment so once you start delving into that you you know 10 times out of 10 especially nowadays maybe nine times out of 10 you're going to find that there is a global there's a corporate foreign interest it all leads back to a corporate foreign interest right, but is, is- that's controlling the environmental Sure, sure. I, I get all that. And I think that yeah. there's um, there's something to be said about how we're going about fighting climate change. And I think it can go into the fact that Austin's idea of fighting climate change is to just flood downtown with a bunch of scooters, you know, and build this um, this 
bullshit rail system that's going to tax people out of their house and home and do nothing in terms of really um, providing green transportation. That's what I think is coming. But um, that being said, man, like that pipeline's getting built. Mm-hmm. Like that pipe, like that pipeline is getting built. Like the state legislator basically said that a private company can just use eminent domain. Um, mm-hmm. Well, they've been able to do that for a long time, right? But they were trying to stop yeah. that um, in the legislature, and that failed. That a, a private pipeline, a company, could e- use eminent domain. I think, I think to, that's evil. It's evil. It's like yeah. the most un-American thing that you could well, do. I've, is I've let experienced a private- it. My, my okay, family, okay, right. my family had a cemetery in uh, in uh, Kentucky, and uh, they just claimed eminent domain, and they built a highway right through it. It's over wrong. over graves, dude. That that's fucked up. So I mean, come on, you know, you really need yeah. high, you, I, but, we didn't need. The yeah, but but that. like a pri- for a private oil company do, to do that on your land that you bought and paid for, that's the most un-American. That's the most anti-conservative thing that you can do. And a whole bunch of Texas Republicans that we elected that talk about freedom and property rights and all that bullshit, mm-hmm. and, and they just signed off on it. It's like you're getting fucked by Kinder Morgan. Mm-hmm. And that's wrong. And then there was another bill that got passed in the Senate where it's now a felony to protest an oil pipeline or a critical infrastructure project at the site. And guess who signed that? Fucking Masky McGee, Greg Abbott, signed yeah. that shit into mm-hmm. law 2019, right at the very end of the legislative session. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, like I said, I'm, let me just get it out there because I'm not an apologist for these people. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to sell you a bag of goods for the Republican Party or the you know, the conservative movement. I'm just an American, and I just believe in common sense. I mean, you know, uh, I'm not trying to. Uh, all I'm try all I try to do is dig into the reality of where we are now. And I look around and I see kids that, you know, when I was when I was 12 years old, I went and played out in the woods. I played uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall on my stereo as loud as I could until I had to stop. I uh, learned how to play the guitar. I read comic books. I made friends. I eventually made girlfriends. I, those were the things that you're interested in at 12 years old. Well, these kids today are being so damaged by all of this stuff from the right and the left that it's time for people like me and like you to give the people the knowledge on say the environment and what's going on and we can talk about this rationally uh, because it's gotten so out of control that 12 year olds have to there are 12 year olds out there that are afraid they feel guilty for their race or if if they're on the other side of the coin they're angry at people for their race at 12 years old and you know I grew up in Washington, D.C., and it wasn't until I got to Kentucky that I started to see bad behavior from, from stupid people. And racism is a disease. But uh, I, I would say that all of this social justice stuff, all the systematic racism talk— well, It's all, neoliberalism. It's Marxism. And it needs to stop because we were doing just fine. We were doing just fine without you. So I, want, I, I agree with you about 70%. Um, there are, look, and one of the things that these protests have done, even though like the way in which they're protesting, I really don't feel like it's about racial equality at all. But one of the things it has done and it has shown is that there are a lot of pissed off and disenfranchised people in the United States and they're disenfranchised about living in the United States. And both me and you agree that our economic system and our system of government here in the U.S. is fucking awesome. It is the best system in the world. But if a large segment of the population living here do not feel that way, 
we got to do whatever it is in our power to help make them feel that way. Um, you know, and I'll put it to you this way, right? Um, the people that were at the BLM protest the first weekend, the people that were burning American flags, right? I saw a bunch of that stuff when I was down there, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't be burning American, you wouldn't be burning an American flag if you had a stock market portfolio in 2016. That's a, that's, a, that's a huge point. That, you, you know, you would not be doing You'd probably be waving a Trump flag if you want no my honest opinion. There's no systematic racism in the stock market. Well, they, don't, they, right. don't, they don't check but your, here's There's no systematic racism in uh, learning a trade. Well, John, but here's the, here's the issue, though. Here's the, here's, the, here's the elephant in the room. Yeah. And the elephant is that um, if you look at the Federal Reserve, um, like the Federal Reserve data, um, black people on average only acquire 17% of generational wealth that white people have and stock market participation when you uh, factor in the equality of income in the same profession is only 50% that of white people um, amongst black Americans. So what I think we we need to start doing is we need to start teaching comprehensive financial education in um, poor underfunded specifically communities of color to actually bridge that gap. And I think that'll do um, a multitude of things. So the first thing it'll do is um, it'll teach people to actually get an understanding of how the financial system works. And then once you understand how the financial system works, you will understand what governments are doing to you and you'll be more likely to be involved. Um, another thing that it will do is it will allow people, it will give pe- provide people with um, opportunities and allow them to see opportunities to acquire wealth and participate in our American economy in a much better way. And it'll um, reduce a lot of the disenfranchisement that people have. Absolutely. And the third thing that it'll do it, is it will boost provide, the economy. Well, uh, no shit, of course. Shit. But the, the third thing that it's also going to do is it's going to provide people with resources that they otherwise might not feel as though they have when it comes to job placement, when it comes to helping them study in school, when it comes to keeping people out of trouble, a whole bunch of things. It's like police athletic leagues provide a bridge the gap and provide people in underfunded areas with a, a community resources to help them stay out of trouble in a productive type of way. So you gotta, we have to really start investing in financial education in those communities if we wanna, if we really wanna bridge that gap. That's one of the, that's the only way. No, I totally, that's exactly what I think. All right, I'm glad we're on the same page no, as that. I'm glad I, we're on the that, same page as that. That's exactly what I, really think, what I think. It's just there's a lot of rejection. There are a lot of people out there that are going through some kind of crisis psychologically uh, and culturally as a generation, and it's to break down that barrier and explain to, to some 17-year-old who just threw a uh, Molotov cocktail at a federal building that now they're going to, if they get you, they find you, you're going to spend five years in jail, when instead... All you had to do was go learn how to be a plumber, you know, it, and and potentially, or or your brain's just not fully developed, you know what I mean? And look, I, I did a lot of yeah. stupid shit when I was. I didn't do that, but I did a lot of stupid shit when I was seventeen, also. Sure. So I think that there just needs to be better resources and make look. There's so many opportunities in this country, and the problem that we're having is that we're not making enough people aware of those opportunities. Well, and nothing's been handed to me. I mean, and that goes for just about everybody I know. You know, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but we've all, it, it's, I've never, you know, it, it's ridiculous to even think that there's some kind of a white privilege. You know, I'm actually part Filipino, but I got, I got the white English Irish gene. My brother's brown. He's, he's brown. So like, I've never even thought about any of this stuff until everybody brought this up. I never thought about it. Oh. And, and, and it makes me wonder about my brother. Has he... For being brown, has he experienced systematic racism? No. Mm-mm. 
I think it all depends on everybody, though. I think what I do think is what I do think that's kind of weird is that um, you have the Black Lives Matter logo um, during the the NBA bubble. The Black Lives Matter logo they they shared the same logo with the Uber and Lyft logo, and Uber and Lyft are literally notorious for like not allowing people to form unions, for paying people super low wages, for like exploiting their drivers on an everyday basis. And then the BLM logo is right next to the Uber and Lyft logo. Like if this is really about equality. Why are you sharing a basketball court with one of the most evil, neo-capitalistic, croniest organizations in the United States right now? Like that's that's where things don't add up, John. Does that make sense? You know well, what I mean? Like that's yeah, but I, I think that's I think you know the the mirage is starting to dissolve because people are realizing that it is there are corporations, not just American corporations, not just oil companies, but foreign money that's flooding in that they don't want to talk about. That's controlling the NBA. That's pushing this message in the NFL. That's going to push the message in the NCAA. That's going to com- continue to push this message to our children. We're going to have a generation, a Generation Z, that's going to be brought up on this brainwashing, and they're going to have to be deprogrammed, not reprogrammed, but deprogrammed from this nonsense of hating themselves or hating people that hate themselves yeah or, or thinking that you're less than because of what you look like or but better that's than what someone. they yeah, want that, that's yeah but I, that's I, what they want because you're a useful idiot you're not a free independent thinker who's not going to take uh no for an answer you know i'm not going to be i'm not going to be told to feel guilty I, you're just not you're just not you need to move on because it's not going to happen with me because I know who I am. But these kids are developing. They don't know who they are. And we've got an entire – that's the thing that really angers me. Because 10, 15 years from now, there are going to be some really screwed up adults out there. Well, we already have really screwed up adults. Yeah. But even more so. Even spe- worse. Especially if this mask wearing stuff um, persists for years and years on end. Imagine having to go to school with somebody and you can't even like look at their face while you're talking to them. There's gonna, they're going to be like if you have a pro- if you, you think we have a problem with like incels and people going on 4chan like saying all this hateful shit, mm-hmm. dude. Imagine a generation of kids going to school and masks not being able to like look at each other face to face or breathe fresh air when they're outside. That is scary. So I think people need to be aware of um, when to wear the mask, how long to wear the mask, what the purpose of the mask is, and all that stuff. Like, there's got to be a real discussion to be had about this. And it can't be on both extremes either. You know, like, I know that I, I see people who wear their mask to drive their car and are always wearing their mask, always. They're walking their dog with their mask on, um, not around anybody. That's horrible. But then you also don't, and, I, and like, I love Owen and I love Alex, right? You don't want to be Owen Shore saying, refusing to go in anywhere because he has to wear a mask for two seconds. Like, there's got to be a middle ground, at least for now. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of us got to get stuff done. Um, and, you know, I thing is, is I, I applaud them for doing that. Um, but, you know, and we need that because Biden is already talking about a national mask mandate, a national and he'll mask probably mandate. Reshut down the. I'm worried that he'll reshut down, do another yeah. a second shutdown. He'll do whatever he's told to do. He'll do whatever he's told to do. He said, "I'm going to listen to the experts," and that sounds good. But who are the experts, and um, what are they telling you to do? And are these uh, suggestions in the best interest of the American people? And how much agency do we have when it comes to these decisions that you're making? Yeah, I mean, just the whole philosophy of being an American, you know, just go to your Bill of Rights and sit there quietly in a room and look at the 10 Bill of Rights and just go over them in your mind and think about how you're affected by each one of these and how you can't even express some of these. You know, our Fourth Amendment 
is gone. Like you go on the internet, it's gone. They can they can come after everything that you're digitally putting out there. They can take it all. They can take all your effects. You know, uh, freedom of religion. You know, that's being attacked nationwide. It's under attack. Well, they're attacking all religions, though. Sure, but it shouldn't. The thing is, is America is an or- organic experiment. It's it just runs on its own fuel. We don't have to be reminded constantly of all the bad things that happened a couple hundred years ago. Yeah, some horrible things happened, and the only way that they're not going to happen again is if we know that they happened. So we can't erase them. And that's that's cultural Marxism. That's how it goes every time. So once they erase the reminder of you know what happened here in Maryland or what happened here in in Texas once they erase that and reform it and put a little nice pretty little uh systematic racism bow on top of it uh justice warrior virtue signaling bow then you're you're already done well that that's also part of what a reset could be they're telling you who you're going to be they're telling they're coming up to you Every time you hear that nonsense, they're coming up to you and right. they're saying, this is who we want you to be. You can't tell me who to be. I'm an American. I'm going to be whoever the hell I want. All right. Um, let's talk about the reset. I want to talk about the great reset because I saw that. I saw that because look, I I've, have a TD Ameritrade account. I've been investing like some of my stimulus money that I wound up getting and you know, I've had some money saved. I'm, I want to have a portfolio. I want to own a house. I want to own something. I want to one day have kids and a family. And it's something that you need to do is you need to make intelligent investments. We can both agree on that. Absolutely. And I saw the, um, the great reset and I was like, Oh shit, they're going to crash the stock market to get Trump out of office. That was my initial thought. Mm-hmm. That's not happening. Well, it, it, if he gets back in, they'll try like hell. Cause that's but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, right. leading up to this election. It's too, it's too late in the game to do that. I doubt that that's going to happen. Right. Um, and then I saw um, another thing with like Klaus Schwab and a whole bunch of these other guys where they talked for like an hour or so. Um, and they said, you know, if we don't accomplish whatever we want to accomplish, at least doing a little bit will be okay. So it almost seems like as though um, they have an agenda and they have a goal, but they're not going to achieve this right away. It's going to be, it seems like whatever they want to do seems like it's probably going to be more of a slow rollout over the next 10 or 20 years. Well, yeah. So that, that's what I think. So I just want to know, like, what do you what do you see happening within the next couple of years, like from a stock market standpoint, from an, an economic standpoint, from like if you're a small business owner, what do you, what do you see happening, just like in calm, rational, like every man language terms? Well, as far as small business is concerned, small bit to have a small business in this country has been a war for years. Um, but if the TPP is uh, reenacted through Biden. There will be foreign interests up inside your. You thought it was hard. Now it'll be far more difficult to to have a small business in America. But uh, the stock market itself, the reset through digital currency is where they're going. Um, the The more you know, they've been talking about that for years, but it's really accelerated, especially in Europe. Uh, and once and now the Federal Reserve is talking about it. That you you go to a you go to a small business. And you'll see a sign on the wall that says, sorry, there's a coin shortage. Yeah, there's a coin shortage, no right. cash. Right, no cash. I mean, if anything, I think that Square and PayPal are good companies to start investing in. Not right now. I think they're going to have a dip. 
But I think that like after November, you'll get a clear picture as to um, what the buying point for like those types of companies are going to be. Yeah. And I think Bitcoin, I like I, I bought a lot of Bitcoin. Well, mm-hmm. not a lot, but I probably have like maybe three quarters of a Bitcoin or something like that. And yeah. like, 800 bucks a ripple from like now it's probably like a thousand right but like i had i bought like 800 dollars of the ripple and i'm thinking like when when did you buy like in april oh okay yeah because it was nothing it was like 20 i was i bought it when it was like, like maybe like 19 18 between 17 and 20 cents a coin is when i was buying it now it's like yeah. 24 25 cents right right and bitcoin you know is kind of the last uh battle really in the whole digital currency war but uh there will be a reset um, if we allow, if we continue to allow the globalists, uh, the United Nations, uh, to to advance towards uh, UN Agenda 2030, okay, because that's what they want, right? But what is what is the reset going to consist? Like, what is that going to consist of? Will the market crash? Like, how will that reset be implemented? Like, what do they what do they do? Like, what does what does that mean? It it's going to diminish uh, your ability. To because there are they already want to tax all the billionaires, which to a certain extent makes sense. That, that's something we need to talk about. For yeah, sure. I think it makes sense. Depending, there are, I think there it are makes things sense. that we need to sit at the table and talk about. Yeah, but if you let them uh, take an inch, they'll take a mile, and they want the mile. There, it's already written down. It's already pre-planned. They they want to control your bank account. They want to. Well, they want a social credit score like they already have in China. You know, I know this. I don't think we're going to get social credit score in the U.S., but we'll get something very similar well, to it. I mean, like we with, just we just found out. Well, they're what? they're doing it through Yelp, and they're doing yeah. it through they, Yelp is the social credit score because my friend has a carpet cleaning business, mm-hmm. and he got a one star review because he was trying to talk to somebody while he was not wearing a mask to hand his flyer out. So that's how they're going to start doing it, and then like they could just accuse you of like racism or something like that, and then your business gets canceled, and all the big box chains and the big stores wind up usurping all the small businesses, and that's the social justice is going to be used to destroy small businesses and just create corporatism. If it's we all are aware, if, if we're all aware, if we're not aware of that, does that make sense? Um, yeah. Yeah. You, the thing is, is, nearly forty people have died due to this BLM movement over the past what eight months. Forty people. All in the name of George Floyd, 40 people have been killed. I mean, there was a mother of a three-year-old who was shot in the head because she said white lives matter. We just had a guy shot in Denver uh, by a bodyguard of the media. We, we had the guy shot in Portland. Um, we had the guy kill himself over uh, uh, having defended himself. We've got Kyle Rittenhouse. We've got, you know, and, and so the hey, first, so- yeah. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse. I want to talk about that, but um, what's your take on Garrett Foster? Because I was downtown when uh, Garrett Foster died. I didn't see him get shot, but I was down there, and I talked to some of the protesters after Garrett. Remember Garrett Foster, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy in the car. The guy got shot with the guy, yeah. yeah downtown Austin, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, this is a, this is America. We we do have a we do have a uh, a problem with gun safety. In this country, but we have a Second Amendment for a reason. For a for reason, yeah, yeah. and 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 that's the thing is like, um, you know, that's a very serious thing. Uh, people don't realize that you know it's, it's, this isn't a video game. Like you, you walk around with a gun in an area, and then you point that gun at somebody. There, you point a gun at somebody in public. There's a really good percentage that you're going to get shot yeah no agreed i hey john i am not arguing with you yeah my counterpoint is that um 
you know, I was at that pro, I was there and I talked to a lot of those guys and mm -hmm. those, those pro, those people genuinely thought that the driver was trying to run them over because people have had instances and there've been stories and there've been things where people have tried to run over protesters. Um, and Garrett Foster, you know, like his wife, like his fiance was in a wheelchair. She mm -hmm. had both, she was a double, a quadruple amputee. Mm -hmm. So if you're in Garrett Foster's shoes and you think some maniac is trying to run over your disabled I Foster's shoes, I, I wouldn't have been anywhere. I wouldn't have been standing in front of that guy's car with a gun. Sure, I, but if the guy, if somebody tried to run over your wife, like what would you I mean? You would, you would protect I, I her, right? That, that's that's my 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 point is that they gen, I, those people. I don't know why my thought, quadriplegic wife would be in the street in a wheelchair. Sure, okay, she wouldn't be. All right, point taken. I'm just saying that if you were in his shoes, you might these people might genuinely think that this guy was trying to run them over. And then you have bad gun safety, and you pointed a gun at somebody, and then you got shot as a result of it. I'm, I'm just giving a devil's advocate point of view. Sure, to just sure. Under, I think that there needs to be multiple perspectives on this, and there's got to yeah, be a yeah, real absolutely. nuanced discussion about what's happening absolutely. with this. And because there's got to be, look, we're super broken, we're super divided, and we gotta, we gotta heal this. And that yep. being said, I think Kyle Rittenhouse is innocent, and that was total self-defense. But when it comes to Garrett Foster, it's a different story. And the point that I'm making is that. Every case is always different, and you have to do everything on a case-by-case -case basis when it comes to this stuff. I just think that there are a lot of people out there that haven't really experienced uh, injury in a car, by a car, by anything else, that, that think that there's some pie in the sky, that they have some uh, righteous right to go and stand in front of a car on Congress Avenue that's just trying to get by and threaten and, and, and start to point a gun at them and yell, we're going to kill you and all that, and that's okay. That's, it's not okay. No, sure, sure. You, and you're gonna, and, and you, you, you have no street smarts. The thing is, is like people in the, in, from, from the, the streets would know you don't do that. I mean, you don't get that. That's the thing is you've got a bunch of these uh, kids from the suburbs that are going to get in front of a car. And they're out there defending uh, the people that are disenfranchised. Well, I guarantee you most of the people that are disenfranchised wouldn't have approached it the same way. Yeah, I did. I did see a lot of um, it's just white stupid. Yeah. Well, so I did see a lot of like white hipsters that were out there in that particular time frame. Um, There's and, too much trust involved. Well, so one of the things I also yeah. noticed too is that the cops couldn't did had no idea how to take care of Garrett Foster after he was down, yeah. and it took like over 20 minutes for an ambulance to get there. And right. so I was like, dude, are, are y'all EMT certified? And the cops like no, and I'm like, what? Yeah. How are the how are the, the okay. pictures of him pointing the gun and directly, I've, and and that's how you get shot. Sure. And but I'm just saying too, like I've had a good relate, like the Garrett fought me, yeah. and they see me with my Captain America mask on, right? No one's ever like shame me for not wearing a mask. Right. They've always been really cool with me. Right. And I've I've told them like that I don't want to defund APD. I've told them how I feel about things respectfully. They've never been mean or confrontational at all towards me. They've always been nice. That's to me. great. They've, oh, I'm just I'm just giving you context of that. Like those yeah. that like not yeah, every I, single I need to know that not yeah. every single group of like BLM social justice like left wing activist people are hostile and confrontational. A lot of them are really cool and really chill. It's just that the ones well, that are bad get it gets put on the media too, and they're they're the loudest. And just like the right people on the right or the, the Alex Jones types, they accuse y'all of being like racist and xenophobic and all that stuff. And that's the I, farthest just, thing from the truth. You know what I mean? So I'm I think there's got to be context. Where's the leadership? Because where is there Martin Luther King? Because Martin Luther King would have said, all right, hold it, stop, stop. Forty people have been killed as a result of this. We need to start over. We need to have some ground rules. 
If we're going to be peaceful protesters, we need to not burn down people's businesses that uh, sustain their lives, especially during a, a pandemic. Um, you know, and, and there just a whole lot of things are wrong about this movement. They have gone wrong. Well, there, there I understand the disenfranchised. I understand what people are angry about. I understand that. But there, it's too much. It's too much. You're pushing too much. And then we, you put the layer of Marxism on top of that. It, it just, it's alien. It's foreign to the rest of us. Um, yeah, but, you know, when there's, um, w when a movement is being astroturfed by, like, foreign companies that want to, you know, destabilize or destroy the United States... Um, you're not going to get real leadership because real leadership right. would make sense, right? Um, and I do think we need it. We need to have a meaningful. And I, I don't. I don't, when it comes to this BLM stuff, I think that before we start like you know attacking these people and whatnot, we need to come up with a meaningful um, racial justice movement that's going to help people and have something concrete and set in motion. And we, me and you, shouldn't even be the ones doing this. But this no. is what well, like like this is what needs to be to happen no. before you replace with anything because it's very easy to say, hey, we need this, we need that. No, but if I you're understand. not talking about solutions let, to like replace you know it, you got to do it. You know the band Fishbone? No. Okay, legendary band Fishbone, right. and and so these guys are from L.A. And, you know, a lot of their music is about freedom and, and listen to some Fishbone, for crying out loud. But I hung out with Fishbone a few times, and those guys would tell me stories about being pulled over for being black, um, which is something they go through. They also go through awkwardness with white people that aren't usually around black people, which is also what women go through with men that, Aren't around women. Aren't around women. There's, we're human beings. There's an awkwardness. Now, case in point here, I got my ass beat by a Mexican police officer here in Austin on Christmas Eve, uh, and he ripped me out of my truck, threw me on the ground, handcuffed me, and kicked me in the sides and held me down with his boot while he was calling me all kinds of racist names. So it's not – you know, and I've had – I've had experiences of from being white driving through Mississippi. I there racism it's it's not it's not like just because you're born with a skin color uh I I'm going to be racist and you're not because you were born with that skin color. No, racism is a disease. It's a disease. And so we need to sit down with the Philip Andersons you know, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He just had his teeth I know that knocked guy had out. Seen that. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, yeah. You know, we need to sit down with uh, Professor Griff. We, even, yeah, we need. To, even, we need to sit down. And we we and let's sit down and talk about stuff. We yeah. need to sit down with Fishbone. Even the dude let's from talk Chaz, about like, stuff that's real yeah, that John, are real issues. John, and, and even like the dude from Chaz. Like even people who are like on, super like on the left side of things, you gotta mm -hmm. have everybody. Everybody's gotta get involved, and that's one of the things I want to do with my petty with my my podcast yeah, is that I want everybody from all perspectives to come and talk to me. Like yeah. you know, I you could work for Infowars or you could be a card carrying communist. I want to listen to you. Just have an you know, open like mind. We, we, I want to be open minded, and the whole yeah. spirit of this job is to be as open minded um, mm. and open to suggestions and open to new ideas as possible. Right, um, Charlie. What time is it? 60s. All right, so we wow. got. Wow, okay. we, we've been we've been zooming yeah. through this. So, what have we missed? What have we missed in these few minutes? We got to talk about the recall petition. Yes, dude, we got to talk about yes. that. That's big. Yeah, we we yeah, got to yeah. talk about that. We got to talk oh. about that. All right. So, uh, what what were the hours again? Uh, it's at the Renaissance, and you've got to understand, Austin, that you if you did sign the recall petition to get rid of Mayor Adler, 
uh, which needs to be done. These people need a message sent to them loud and clear. He's, he's going to vacate the office here soon. He'll be done, and he'll leave a mess for somebody else to continue. And it'll be a mess that he – it'll be a guy that he appoints to help make the mess worse. It, it's really important for the future of the city that you say something now about the powers that be. Uh, and the best way to do that is to sign the petition to recall Mayor Adler. And you can do that at two places – um, and if you did sign the petition, uh, the previous petition, you have to re-sign the petition because uh, it has to be re-signed. That petition didn't make it. So we've got a new petition that has to be signed. And uh, let's see, the, uh, the place to go uh, Monday through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. And Sunday, noon to 6 p.m. is the Renaissance Hotel at the Arboretum. Uh, 9721 Arboretum Boulevard, Austin Oaks Church, 4220 Monterey Oaks Boulevard. And re-sign that petition. If you love this city and you, I mean, they're making some great changes here, um, but we need to return back to who we are as, as Austin, Texas. This city, and I, I'm not trying to be mean or derogatory or anything, th we don't want another Los Angeles. We, we, this is Austin, Texas, and it has, there is a character to this city that, that is, when I look around, you see it more than well, I Well, it's people like me. I, I'm the right. character of it. I'm the character of it. Like, even Alex. E mm -hmm. Even Alex Jones. Like, you know, it's weird. Like, um, I feel as though, in a way, that me and Alex Jones are kind of kindred spirits. I'm sure. Um, you know what I mean? Like, this yeah. guy, 25 years ago, he was on public access carving, carving pumpkins, um, selling firecrackers, keeping us woke, and making movies on his, out of his own pocket. And right now... All I'm you got to do is grab onto the American spirit. And, yeah. And that goes but, for anybody out there. And, and you, you can... I'm dri I'm and you'll be on the same listen, wavelength. I'm driving this pedicab. Yeah. Um, I'm, I made rap songs about conspiracy theories. Yeah, they're you awesome. Know, but thank you. Uh, yeah. I got more for you on the way back, At by the no way. Notorious, notorious White, White Boy. boy that's yeah. right. Uh, my Mexican girlfriend came up with that name, FYI, just to clarify. Anyway, um, what I was also going to say, though, is that, like, you know, I have this podcast that I'm paying out of pocket for mm -hmm. right now. We're looking for sponsorships, if you know anybody. Hint, I hint, hear wink, you. Hint, wink, wink, John. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I've any, got one, too. Uh, DailyNewsCollective.com. Yeah. Uh, uh, John Bound reports. Uh, John Bound Politics on YouTube. Yeah. That's my uh, podcast. But, 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 um, you know, I feel like in, in a way we're like kindred spirits. And, and the reason people like Alex were able to make it is because Austin was affordable. You could own your house. The taxes weren't super high. There were opportunities for small. There were a bunch of small business opportunities. There were a bunch of like choices that you ha were able to make in terms of like you being able to make a comfortable living while pursuing your creative projects. And the more Austin gets de developed, the more Austin gets gentrified, the harder it is for people like myself to stay in Austin. That's why this is such a personal thing to me. Well, uh, does can that I make just, sense, man? Like, oh, it totally yeah. makes sense. Let me just give you an example. Uh, down in the Congress area, around the, you know uh, the Continental Club and that yeah, area, I love that. Yeah, that's where all the musicians used to live. They lived back in that neighborhood. They can't afford to live there anymore, so they all moved. All of our Austin musicians, all these legends, moved to Dripping Springs, and they couldn't afford to live there anymore. So they've all moved to Nashville. Our, the, the base of our Austin, of the legends that lived here that made the city the live music capital of the world have been pushed out quietly. And that's a good example, and that, that goes for the rest of us. And that's why I'm saying that you can't turn this into little Los Angeles. This is Austin, Texas. We got to – I just feel it slipping away, but – 
we got to keep fighting. And the best way for you to do that is go down and sign that petition and vote. And, and we got to make everybody who lives here, no matter what neighborhood you're in, no matter like where you're from, what you do, what you look like, you're all a part of this. This is yeah. everybody's a part of this. Everyone is included in this. You don't live in your cell phone. We're all connected. We're all one big homogenous humanity experiment living together. It's not about you being an individual. It's not. Well, can, I mean, and that's, it uh, is, but we're all a team. It is, but you got to understand that you're a part of a larger picture. I went to the Continental Club uh, last time I went, and I, I, you know, I go there all the time, and I'm, I'm Texas-friendly, so I will talk to anybody. So I'm standing next to this guy at the bar, and I'm starting to talk to him, ask him where he's from. He won't even look at me or talk to me. Finally, I get it out of him. So where are you from? He says, I'm from Los Angeles. Never looked at me. I said, well, that figures, man. That figures. Because don't come to Austin, Texas – and forget to be friendly to people. Don't live in your own world. Go back to Los Angeles. Go back to your little individual because that's not how we do it here. Yeah. We're, we're, we're people and we take care of each other and we love each other and we're all one people. And, and I think the reason why Austin has been so good to me is I moved here from New York over seven years ago. And when I, when I left New York, I was done with it. Like yeah. New, everything that I dealt with or, or thought about or talked about or whatever my whole life in New York was, I kept it in New York. And when I went to Austin, it was a fresh start. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm in Austin now, and I'm embracing the Austin way of life fully and completely. And whatever I whatever I had in New York, it's in New York, and it's never coming back here. And that's that's um, yeah. What I did happens. that in 1992, and I never looked back. That's and, the key to making it here. And when I got here, I was just like, you know, I mean, I don't feel intimidated. We just known each other for, for an hour. Yeah, I, we're friends for life. We're man. buddies. Yeah, Charlie back there. We're friends for life. You know, and that's that's how it goes around here. And so if you move here, that's how you need to be or you need to leave. Hey, embrace the awesome way of life. Anyway, John Bound, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate this. I know you have so much going on and you're swamped with lots of the fact that you made time to come on my pedicap and oh, talk yeah. to me. Dude, you have, no, you have no idea how much this oh, means well, to me. Thanks, thank you. Thanks, thanks for having me. All right. Man. Absolutely.